Chapter 102 Mom, Mary and Jansen, greeted the Chinese scientists warmly. So I figured they were offering her a big chunk of change to Bias's weapons. Are you finding out the information you need? She asked. Terborscht snorted loudly over at his desk, and she cast him a glance. Are they cooperating? Marion asked the room in general. What do you think? I asked, just as Guy in White Lab Coat said, No. Marion took out a PDA. I told you I had much of this information, but I understood that you wanted to interview them yourselves. Now, what do you need to know? How fast can they fly? asked one. Marion clicked her PDA. Max here, she said, gesturing to me, has exceeded 200 miles an hour, straight on, and upward of 260 miles an hour in a steep dive. The scientist looked impressed. I started to feel an icy chill creep down my back. How high can they fly? Another one asked. Max has been documented at altitudes of approximately 31,000 feet for short periods of time. Her oxygen consumption increased appropriately, but created no hardship. Her normal cruising altitude is usually between 15,000 and 22,000 feet. Again, the scientist looked impressed and made notes. One entered things into a calculator, then whispered the results to the others. I felt Nudge's arm and Angel's eyes on me, but I had a sinking feeling inside and didn't want to look at them. I was betting that Spy Mom had gotten all this information from my chip, the one I'd had Dr. Martinez take out. The head guy looked at me speculatively. How much weight can they carry? We believe they can carry up to four-fifths of their own body weight for periods of up to an hour, said Marion, and one half of their body weight almost indefinitely. Like our backpacks, for example. How much body fat do they have? One of them asked. Do they swim well? I decided to keep my mouth shut about Angel's ability to breathe underwater. We believe they have normal swimming abilities, but with greatly increased endurance, said Marion, cool as a polar bear's nose. Their body fat is extremely low. Max is 5'8", but barely weighs 100 pounds. Of that weight, extremely little is fat or bone. Mostly, she's made of muscle. She's made of muscle. Like I was a kit that had been put together. Okay, I get it. Shut up. But they can swim? They don't sink? Asked one. Marion shook her head. Their bones are extremely light and porous, filled with tiny air pockets. In addition to their lungs, they have peripheral air sacs along each side. They don't sink. Okay, this is stupid, I said in a bored tone. There's no point in discussing this, except that it shows how clearly you need to get a life, because there's no way we're going to be weapons for anyone. That's right, said Nudge. I'm not carrying bombs or assassinating anyone. That's right. We have standards, Missy. You'll do what we tell you, said Marion chillingly. I'm sure we can find some way to motivate you. Instantly, I thought that if they were hurting one of the others, I would do just about anything to stop it. Again, information better kept to myself. I have to tell you, we don't work cheap, I told the Chinese scientist. We'll need serious bling. Big screen TVs, vacations in Hawaii, and the best cheeseburgers that money can buy. For starters. They nodded eagerly, thrilled at my giving in, which, frankly, was pathetic. I mean, do they have cynics in China? 
Clearly, these guys were not the brightest crayons in the box. Chapter 103 Okay, enough, the director snapped. Turning to the scientist, she said, We can get you any other information you need. In the meantime, we're going to work on a serious attitude adjustment. Basically, I have two speeds, I told them. Hostile or smart aleck? Your choice. Ignoring me, Mom ushered the white coats out the door. That wasn't clever, she said, turning back to me. Your survival depends on extreme cooperation. There is no survival, Terbor said angrily, standing up. They are dead. She ignored him, too. You were designed to be very smart, Max, she told me. We electrically stimulated your synapse nerve endings while your brain was developing. And yet I still can't program my TiVo, I said. I thought I heard Total stifle a snort, but I didn't look down. It's time to start using your smarts, the director went on tightly. Dr. Terborscht is not the only one who wants you dead. Working for the Chinese is your one opportunity to continue living. I stared at her in amazement. How do you even live with yourself? I said, genuinely dumbfounded. You're willing to sell children to a foreign government so they can use us as weapons, possibly against other Americans? I don't get it. Were you hiding behind a door on Morals and Ethics Day? Then you have the gall to call yourself my mother? You couldn't mother someone if they shot five gallons of estrogen into your veins. What about their mothers? I waved at the flock. Please tell me their mothers aren't half as lame as you. Their mothers were nobodies, Marion said. Donor eggs. Lab workers. Techs. Anyone we found. That was the point. That we could create a super race out of anything. Out of trash, she said meanly. I heard blood rushing through the veins in my head. Well, you're right there, I said. Because we are a super race. And I did come from trash. The director clapped her hands, and the flyboys at the door snapped to attention. I felt Ari and the others straighten up, go on high alert, waiting to see how badly the situation would evolve. Which it was guaranteed to do. You're a child, Max, she said, obviously trying to control her anger. Which makes it unsurprising that you can't see the big picture. You're still putting yourself at the center of the universe. It's time you found out that you're just a small speck in the big scheme of things. Which means what? I demanded. That I'm nothing? That I'm not a person? That you can do anything you want to me and it's okay? You're so full of it. But you're wrong. I know that I do matter. I am important. And you're a pathetic, cold, pointless wasteoid who's going to grow old alone and die. Then, roast in hell forever. I have to say, that sounded dang good, considering I don't even know if I believe in hell. I do believe in hateful rhymes with witches, though, and I had one standing right here who was glaring sparks at me. This is what I mean, she said. Your childish insults don't affect me. Your useless anger doesn't affect me. You'll end up doing what I say, or you will die. It's that simple. That's one of the many, many differences between you and me, I snarled. I have enough smarts to know it's never that simple. 
and I can make this more complicated than you can possibly imagine. I put real menace into my voice, leaning forward threateningly and clenching my fists. Her eyes flickered. See, you don't know squat about me, mom, I went on icily. You have no idea what I'm capable of. Just because you made me doesn't mean you know what I can do, what I've done. And here's a new slash. My chip is gone. So you can take your spyware and shove it. Her glance quickly shot to my wrist. I dropped my voice and stared into her eyes. I could tell she was trying hard not to look away. I was so furious that I cheerfully could have ripped her head off. But you're going to find out, Mom, I said very softly. And it's going to give you nightmares for the rest of your wasted life. Oh my god, I was so badass. It was all I could do not to give a mwahaha. The director clenched her teeth and visibly controlled some shallow breaths. Finally, she spoke. You're wasting your time, Max, she said. You can't hurt me. I grinned evilly, and she flinched for a split second, then made her face expressionless. Yes, Mom, I whispered. I really can. Chapter 104 I'm sure some of you get sent to your room sometimes by your parents. All I have to say is, the next time that happens and you're lying there all mad, thinking about how hard your life is, just picture me standing next to you, ready to smack you upside the head. When I get sent to my room, it's a freaking dungeon. With rats. Plus, how many of your parents chain you to the wall? I'm betting not that many. Okay, maybe some. I don't know how regular families work, but probably not many, am I right? Yeah, you showed her, Total muttered, licking his paw where Shaq was chafing it. I made a face at him. God, my mom's such a witch. We've been in worse places, in worse situations, Nudge said. For all we know, a pet smart truck is pulling up outside, unloading dog crates, I said gloomily, unwilling to be comforted. The speakers wired to the walls cracked to life, and I groaned as more multi-culty propaganda began to assault our ears. I inched over toward Nudge and Angel. My chain let me slip between them, and I unfolded my wings and shook them out. Then, I carefully wrapped my wings around Nudge and Angel, encasing them in a warm, feathery cocoon big enough to hold all of us. Total couldn't be left out, so he dragged his chain over and crawled beneath my wings, too. I looked over at Ari. He was asleep or pretending to be asleep, so he wasn't part of the feathery fun fest. It was quiet and dim here. The stones were cold under my jeans, and I could feel a chill starting to seep into my skin. Another hour or two, and we would be miserable with cold. How long would it take Fang to get here? How could he even get here? Total pricked his ears and raised his head slightly. Looking into the shadows, I saw a tall shape moving toward us. In an instant, I had recognized the gait, the height, the body language. Jeb. He was like really spicy Mexican food. Kept coming back on ya. I didn't have the energy for more sparring. When he was close enough, I said, Please tell me that Icebox was kidding about being my mother. He knelt in front of us, and I gathered the younger ones more closely under my wings. The director is a brilliant woman with a global vision. Jeb said. 
Yeah, a deranged global vision, I said sourly. She's a remarkable and gifted scientist. Why can't she use her powers for something good instead of evil? Like cure cancer or something? And no, killing everyone who has cancer does not count as a cure. Dr. Jansen is an ambitious, talented political strategist, Jeb said. She could very well end up running the world. One day, she might be the most powerful person on Earth. As her daughter, you would be in a position of unimaginable advantage. Except that I would have changed my name and dyed my hair and would be living incognito somewhere to avoid the embarrassment of having a ruthless, power-crazy Dr. Frankenstein for a mother, I pointed out. Even if she were the most powerful person in the world, and being her daughter would give you almost unlimited power too? Jeb asked. I made a face. If I had that much power, the first thing I would do is slam her into a jail. Jeb just looked at me. What else would you do? Put her in jail, I repeated. Plus all the others who lent a hand into this hateful Goldfinger plan of world domination. Plus, I would say that all wars would be fought only on foot, with nothing more than swords. No guns, no missiles, no bombs, only swords. I looked up, warming up to the idea of World Emperor Max. And I would seize all the offshore hidden bank accounts of companies and people who had contributed to ruining the environment. With that money, I would make sure that healthcare and education were available to everyone for free. I felt Nudge and Angel smile against my shoulders and sat up straighter. Plus, housing and food for everyone. Companies that polluted would be shut down and banished. People in the government who ignored the environment and started wars would be booted out of office and made to work in the fields. And Jeb held up his hand and stopped me. You just passed another test, Max. Chapter 105 Excellent, I said irritated all over again. Then get us out of this stinking dungeon. What test did she pass? Nudge asked, raising her head a little. Jeb turned to her. She's incorruptible. Bully for me. At least by power, I said. You haven't tried Snickers bars or cute shoes. Jeb smiled at me. It still hurt my heart when he did that. You don't want the director to be your mother, no matter what kind of power you would get from it. I don't want the director to be my mother because she's an insane witch, I said. His smile widened, and I barely suppressed an urge to punch him. The director isn't your mother. Had I heard right? Was he just snowing me? I felt Nudge and Angel stiffen, and Ari clumsily sat up and rubbed his eyes. He blinked at seeing Jeb, but didn't say anything. What do you mean? I said suspiciously. Is this one of your chain yanks? I mean, for God's sake, make up your mind. The director, Marion Jennison, engineered your design and development, Jeb explained. She oversaw the whole project. To her, that must feel like motherhood. Oh my God, and here I thought she couldn't get any more pathetic. Relief was flooding through me that such a horrible, crazy person truly had not passed her DNA onto me. She didn't donate an egg? I needed to be sure. Jeb shook his head. She shares no genetic material with you. I dropped my head. I'm really, really glad, I muttered. 
Of course, it left me with my same old mystery guest for a mother. But I swear, anyone would have been better than that freak show. I couldn't believe Jebba just waltzed in here and told me. He, more than anyone else, should have known how huge it was, finding out who my mother was. Or wasn't. I looked up at him. Well, any other bombs you want to drop before you leave? Any more fake directions you want to steer me in? Jeb hesitated. Do you remember in New York, when you killed Ari, and I yelled that you'd killed your brother? I looked over warily and saw Ari tense, staring at Jeb. Yeah. Lucky for you, he's hard to kill. Ari shot me a brief smile. He is your brother, Max, said Jeb. At least, your half-brother. I couldn't breathe. What did... what? I'm your father, Max, said Jeb simply. Chapter 106 Everything faded away except Jeb's face. I couldn't even hear the propaganda blaring from the speakers anymore. I felt the damp heat of Nudge's hand tighten in mine, and felt my feathers brushing the cold stone floor. But all I could do was stare at Jeb, while his words rattled senselessly inside my brain. My eyes flicked back to Ari. He didn't look upset, just stunned. What are you talking about? I said, unwilling to have the rug pulled up from under me. Which, face it, seems to be these guys' main source of yucks. I'm your father, Max, Jeb repeated. I wasn't married to your mother, but we decided together to create you. I couldn't even look at him. For years and years, I had wished that he was my dad. In my mind, without telling anyone, I'd pretended he was. It was what I'd wanted more than anything in the world. Then he disappeared, and I'd grieved for him with a broken heart. Then he turned up again. Surprise! Evil. Which had broken my heart even worse than the first time. Now Jeb was saying he was really my dad. Then my wishes had come true. Except I no longer trusted him. No longer admired him. No longer loved him. Mmm, I said. He reached out and patted my knee briefly. I know it's an awful lot to take in, especially given the past six months. All I can say is that one day, I hope to be able to explain it all to you, Max. You deserve that, and so much more. But know that I'm your father. And I know this sounds impossible, but I'm asking you to trust me as your dad. That really can't happen at this point, I said slowly. He nodded. I understand, but I'm asking you to try. Hmm. Half-brother? Ari asked. Jeb turned to him. Yes, you had different mothers. Your mother was my wife, who died shortly after you were born. Ari was absorbing this when I asked. But I was born before Ari. Who is my mother? Your mother and I had no personal relationship, said Jeb slowly. But we agreed on what to do. We agreed that we wanted to be part of your beginning, part of your heritage. It was a monumental, stunning idea that we- I don't want to hear this! I cried, folding in my wings. I was ready to kill him, drawing at this moment like torture. I don't care about all the beautiful science, la la la. You tell me who my mother is before I yank your eyes out. Jeb looked at me, unperturbed. She's a good woman, and you remind me of her. I stood up, trembling with rage and tension. You better tell me. 
My hands were clenched in a fist. Angela nudged it up too, behind me. Total's growling low in his throat. For such a small dog, he could sound like a Rottweiler when he wanted to. Your mother is Dr. Martinez. Valencia Martinez. You met her in Arizona. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximoid Bootleg Audiobook Podcast thing. I am your all of it, Marky. And I got a couple things to say this time around. First of all, thanks for being patient with me last week. We had a very fun vacation, and I was very tired afterwards. So that's why this episode is going up a couple hours late. I got a very kind comment on the YouTube channel from Vampiric Fox, and they said, I read the first book a good while back, and read Hawk before realizing there were many books to the series. Been looking to read the others forever, and the other day, I come across this video. I gotta say, I like your voice, and I like the spirit you put into your reading. I'm listening to this while doing housework. Thank you, Vampiric Fox. That is so very kind of you. Uh, I'm I like it a lot when people say I like my voice, because I don't actually like my voice all that much, but uh, it makes me happy that other people like it. Also, I have a very deep connection with these books, so every time I would reread it, I would have this like perfect inflection in my head that I've just been building up for years, so it's nice to finally be able to get that out in the world so that somebody else can hear it. I do plan on reading the Hawk series on this podcast, but I can't actually do that until I finish the whole rest of this series, because <laughs> there's so much in between. But uh, rest assured that I will do the Hawk series when it's time for that. And it looks like, from when I am posting this, uh, the next Hawk book comes out in about four days, which is... Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I will definitely read those when the time comes. Fear not. Um, anyway, thank you, Vampiric Fox. I really appreciate your comment. It makes me very happy. Speaking of books, look at that transition. Let me go ahead and get into the recommendation for this week. The recommendation for this week is Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Albert. It is a book about these two guys who play this card game, and they absolutely hate each other. They're like big rivals. But they get a chance to go to this convention where they can play the card game, and if they win, they get a ton of money, and they both need it really, really bad. So they have to go on a road trip together to this convention across the country, and they find out that they have a little more in common than they thought they did. <laughs> it's very cute. It's very much like a fan fiction. It's like an enemies to lovers with a road trip and there's only one bet. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> if you're into any kind of fan fiction like that, I think you'll really, really enjoy this book. I put a link to the Barnes & Noble page for this book in the show notes. So if you want to check that out, you totally should. It's a really good book. All right, a couple things before I head out. Uh, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. So look at me, posting before a holiday. If you celebrate that, have fun. If you don't, I hope you have a very good weekend. And Sunday, I believe, is the start of Hanukkah. So if you celebrate Hanukkah, happy early Hanukkah! Okay, that's that stuff. So if you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or you can hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. Alrighty, I think that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, 
fly on. <laughs>